Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Betting Pros podcast. I'm your host, Dan Harris. Find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. Week two is done. It is time to look ahead to week three and give our three best bets, or six if you include our guest, who is my old friend, Alex Kaloje from the Action Network. You can find him on Twitter at AJ Kaloje. I'm not going to spell his last name. He can do that for you if you want. Alex, it's been a long time since we caught up. How you doing? Doing well, man. Been a couple of years, but uh, excited to chop it up and talk a little week three with you. It is very exciting. You do great work over there at the Action Network. So I'm excited to hear about your picks right now so I can trail them and then take credit for them, as I often do with everything that you do. So as I said, we're going to do our three best bets for the week. We're going to whatever we want, spread, uh, you know, over, under, whatever we want to do, even money line if we wanted to. And uh, then we're just going to quickly run through all the remaining spreads of the games that we didn't pick. Talk about whether we like any of them. But before we do, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. First, the offer from BetMGM. New customers bet $10, win $200 if your team scores a touchdown. So again, you bet $10 on either team. You win $200 in free bets if the team you bet on scores a touchdown. That's code JUICE100. Again, I've given this before. JUICE, the Daily Juice, is our other podcast hosted by Matt Peralt. Again, daily podcast, which you should be subscribing to, but the code is JUICE100 over at BetMGM. Finally, we are giving away a signed to a tongue of Iloa jersey. All you need to do to be entered is to leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or CastBox, and then go to bettingpros.com slash review if you are subscribed to the Betting Pros YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash bettingpros, and that counts as three times the entry. All right, we're going to get going here. I will give the consensus lines over at bettingpros.com just so everybody knows. But there are obviously different books, which you can also see. Uh, last week, though, very quickly, let's go through what we did. Our guest, Rich Ryan, he hit on the Panthers, plus three and a half, not close. But he did miss on the Jaguars, plus six, and the Texans, Browns, under 47 and a half. I hit on the Vikings, getting three and a half from the Cardinals. The Titans, getting five and a half from the Seahawks. But I missed on the Dolphins, getting three and a half from the Bills. Narrow miss by 32 points. But that's fine. We're going to do better this week. Alex, you were the guest. Start us off. What is your favorite bet for week three of the NFL season? Yeah, my favorite bet is, unfortunately, the one game on the board that I scanned and said, well, they're going to be like 1,500 yards and a combined point total of like 30 just because, and that was the Cardinals-Jags over 52. I honestly thought it was just a soft number at open. Um, It kind of scares the hell out of me that there's been zero resistance on the total, but um, this is basically the epitome of if the Jaguars are going to be the team that stops the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, I will pay to watch it happen. Um, I had a good buddy who made a, a pretty good point. Although it's a cross country trip and an early start for a West coast team, it's, it's going to be hot in Florida and a defense that's been on the field for a long time has to chase around a quarterback that can't be tackled. Um, the Jaguars defense to me is just absolutely awful and has been overshadowed with, the Urban and and Trevor Lawrence news. They played Tyrod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater, two quarterbacks who are allergic to YPA. Um, I mean, two of just just bland game managers, and they both just ripped the Jaguars up. So to me, this was just a play of, I think the Cardinals are going to score at will. Not really a, a much of a hot take there. Um They've done whatever they wanted the last two weeks, and they look like they're having fun. And admittedly, I'm not a big Cliff Kingsbury guy, but he just it just seems like he's actually having fun, and they're using every single receiver that they have and, and again, having fun in the process. And 
really the only upside for ja- the the Jaguars offense here is being able to throw the ball. So um, a lot of Trevor Lawrence passing attempts. I think if you like the over, you have to like the Cardinals and vice versa. This seemed very correlated to me, but the first bet I played this week was the over 52, and I was pretty content with doing it. Yeah, I mean, you the Cardinals offense right now looks pretty much as good of an offense as you can, even if you contain them somehow for like a moment. Murray is going to find a way right now with him being 100 percent. And we can't count on that all year, right? Because he's just like guy takes some hits and everything like that. But right now with DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, whatever, Christian Kirk, I'm completely obsessed with Rondell Moore. And I have been basically right since he was drafted. Just he's my dude. Um, So they are going to put up points without that. It's really just a matter of whether or not the Jaguars can as well. And at the very least, there's going to be garbage time in this game where Lawrence is going to get to throw. So I am with you. I'm looking over at uh, bettingpros.com. The over 83% of our people, of our experts who are taking it, are with the over. So I'm with you. I'm going to trail it. And if it hits, I'm taking credit for it. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know know what's funny, Dan? The only only downside to this handicap is, oh, darn, the Jaguars don't have a pass rush. So Kyler can't run around for 50 yards and... Chuck, uh, Chuck 90 uh, yard broken place to Rondell Moore. Oh, darn. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that might not happen. It's difficult. He He's just going to have to do it like normally and stand in the pocket in a clean pocket and throw 90 yard touchdowns that way. It's going to be fine. But I agree with you. It's it's funny. That almost benefits. Right. Because the broken plays and you've seen them happen in each of the Cardinals first two games like those result in giant plays going forward. So. That is something that maybe you can count as a negative, but either way, man, like this is this is going to go over. Obviously, you know, I'd over in their first game against the Titans that should have gone over as the way I like to say it, it was, you know, midway through the third quarter. They needed one point and they didn't get it. But I really think that uh, this is a good bet. I'm with you here. I have also selected the over in the betting pros app. Uh, so hopefully it goes now. I, I'm very interested to get your uh, take on my best bet. I do not know which way sort of the, you know, sharp bettors are going with this, people in the know. I actually haven't heard that many people talk about it. Maybe I have missed it. But to me, it's a line that when I saw come out, I was going to take it and it hasn't moved. And I understand why. And it's the Eagles. They're now getting three and a half, uh, but it, it vacillates between three and four. So one or the other. But the Eagles getting more than a field goal against the Cowboys. Um, I, I get that the Eagles last week were a little disappointing, like, of course. But I think that's much more about the 49ers and their defense being stronger than people gave them credit for just because they let the Lions get back into it after the Lions were completely dominated throughout the game, which I think was more of them kind of taking it easy, taking their foot off the gas pedal. And I think if Jalen Rager doesn't step out of that touchdown and that winds up being a touchdown, that that really could have change the game. Now, the Cowboys come off the big win against the Chargers, and I admit I didn't like them in that game. I thought that the Chargers would win that game and basically cover the three-point spread. It wasn't one of my best, but either way, it's one season, okay? Mike, we've seen Mike McCarthy for a long time. You look at what he did last year. 1-5 against the spread in divisional games. 0-5 as home favorites. Now, I, I get it, like, that no Dak, but the, the lines are taking into account that Ben DiNucci was his starting quarterback at one point. Like, those are lines... And I just don't have a lot of faith in McCarthy as the head coach. You've also got Amari Cooper really banged up with the ribs. And I'm sure you know, like, rib injuries are tough. They're very difficult to play through, especially like that. Lyle Collins is out. Marcus Lawrence is out. The Cowboys are just a little banged up. It's not all great for the Eagles. The Eagles are banged up, too. They've got Brandon Brooks and Brandon Graham both placed on IR this week. But realistically, I've, I've been a fan of Jalen Hurts as 
you know, maybe not the greatest passer in the world, but I think, you know, with the way Sirianni designed this offense in the offseason, I think it's going to accentuate what he can do. And I'm more sort of looking out that last week as sort of saying the 49ers have a really good defense. I don't think suddenly the Eagles were exposed. It's the NFC East. The games are usually tight. I see this as closer to a field goal game, and I understand the public loves the Cowboys, but I don't know, man. I want to hear your take on this because for me, I like the Eagles getting more in the field goal in this game. The over 51 and a half to me just missed the cut of my three plays, mainly because I think when you're starting with Cowboys totals, you have to start baseline 52. And drawing the Eagles, I thought you were going to work your way up, not down. So to me, I thought that number was short. It did make my card. Um, I will say, though, Philadelphia to me is a team that already, and we saw it as early as last week, already has some market support after week one. A team that really, I mean, if we look back at preseason win totals, had one of the lowest win totals, wasn't really thought of as um, as a threat to the NFC East at all. And then we turn around week two, they're getting, what, three and a, three and a half at home to the, to the Niners, um, a team that's pro- projected to win like 11 games this season. So um, it seems like the Eagles were a team right off the bat that just immediately received um, support from the market and was going to be a lot better than uh, the market projected it, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, I have no interest in laying chalk with Dallas in this spot. Um, Mike McCarthy is bound to make multiple coaching mistakes. Um, again, again, no interest in laying more than a field goal um, in division um, with that defense that didn't force a punt last week. It just <laughs> can't do it. But you don't, but you don't, you are not on the Eagles, right? Like you don't, because again, I, I, I'm not like, I'm looking at our bet analyzer, 57% of experts are taking the Eagles. So that, I mean, that's a pretty even split generally speaking, but this is not a bet I hear anybody talking about. It's not a bet I hear anybody want or anything like that. To me, I don't know, man, I, I may be completely like my perception of the Eagles may be just completely off. Generally speaking, we, uh, so I, I've mentioned this before, but uh, the fantasy sports and gaming association does a prop bet league where you draft prop bets. Okay. I won it last year. My first bet or one of my first bets this year was Sirianni at coach of the year. And it, it was just something where, again, that that's a lot of the way you bet coach of the year. And there's a lot of, you know, details about it, why it's sort of fit. And there's a limited number of situations that usually will allow for a coach of the year. But I also thought that I, I, from what I've known about Sirianni, I really like him. I think if the Eagles sort of always deal with a ton of injuries, if they can avoid it, they're already dealing with injuries, unfortunately. But if they can avoid major ones, they add Devontae Smith. You give them an entire year to build an offense around Jalen Hurts' strengths. This is a team that could really surprise some people. And I know Atlanta wasn't great, like in, you know, in week one, and they're not a great team, but they kind of hung with the Bucs, right? Like they outgained the Bucs. It's just sort of the, the two pick sixes. I don't think Atlanta is quite as bad as the Eagles made them look. I think realistically, the 49ers are just better than people are giving them credit for, which is why the Eagles struggled. I think the Eagles win this game outright. So, I, I mean, for me, I will take more than a field goal. But again, this does not sound like a game that you are on on either side, right? Well, I will say this, Dan. I'm, I'm interested to see how the number moves, um, not only throughout the week, but Sunday, too. If, if the books have some sort of big decision or, you know, favorites are constantly winning and, and we start seeing some money in de- um, coming in in Dallas's favor, we could possibly see some fours popping up. Um, yeah. so again, not necessarily, a, um, a number that stood out to me right away, but again, 
Um, if it's any consolation, I wouldn't lay any chalk with Dallas at home in division primetime game against a dual threat quarterback. I just have no faith in the defense right now or Mike McCarthy. Uh, he made another like I was in the airport last week and I'm not trying to be a nitpick, but like Mike McCarthy just makes a bonehead move. And I'm just like standing there, like looking around, like wondering if anybody is watching the same exact game that I'm watching. It's just it's really unnecessary. It's going to come back to kill this team, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's this weekend. It's going. It's I, inevitable, Dan. I I don't need your consolation, man. I don't need you. I don't need you telling me like, hey, man, look, it's all right. I don't mind. I don't mind being in the. I'm in the majority technically, actually, because as I said, fifty seven percent. But yeah, I this is really something, Alex. Where this weekend, I feel like my feelings on the Eagles are either going to be validated or shown to be incorrect because this is a, a week against a banged-up Cowboys team coming off a big win, and I get it, and it's Monday night and whatever in a divisional game. If they lose this game by more than three points, A, I'm going to be really surprised. B, I think I'm going to say, okay, maybe I'm wrong in the way I'm evaluating them. But again, this is my favorite bet. I've been on this since the, I looked at the opening line. It was There were fours and three and a halfs. It hasn't moved all week as, as far as I can see. So I'm excited about it, but let's get to your second bet, which I will hate, but I will give you a consolation of I won't take the other side. Okay. Hey, thanks, Dan. Yeah, let's uh, let's take TV. I, I I took Tampa Bay pick. Um, to me, this is the optimal time to sell the Rams defense. Last year, um, Pitt, Washington were the best at creating havoc, getting after the passer. But when you look at basic peripherals, standard downs and stuff, LA was fantastic with Brandon Staley, number one in a lot of different metrics. And so you look at who they've played so far, Chicago, Andy Dalton watching that game. I wouldn't say it was a bad game or a good game. They just basically gave Andy Dalton whatever he wanted. He Dalton doesn't push the ball down the field. They were content with just letting him throw dink and dunks against the Colts. I bet the over last week against the Colts, and that game was hard to watch because of Carson Wentz. And I don't think Indianapolis has that great of a, of a receiving corpse, to be completely honest with you. And they moved the, ball, they moved the ball um, oftentimes at will. And so really, if there was any downside to this handicap, it's the, you know, cross country trip, whatever. But it, honestly, if this is Tom Brady, if, if there's any quarterback that's going to defy any sort of trend or angle like that, it's going to be TB. And to be honest, watching him play the last two weeks, he just, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but he just looks like he like wants to play football and like is actually trying. And they can't run the ball, and I would expect him, you know, he's, he's played Aaron Donald before. He's played this defense before. He's not going to get sucked into the pass rush, and he's not going to throw Jalen Ramsey's way 10 times a game. So there are ways around the defense. I think it's the perfect time to sell. I think the Rams team total under could be a good look based off of who they've played so far. Um, to me, I thought this was a really cheap price, and I don't think you're going to get a lot of uh, spots to bet Tampa Bay at a number like this. To be honest... I know this sounds kind of weird. I would have played Tampa Bay up to minus three plus 100. And the only reason I say that is because I don't think we were ever going to see um, a three in the market. Just because if you flip that around, we're essentially implying that Tampa Bay would be like a you know, seven, seven and a half point right. home favorite. And that's just not going to happen. And so this line to me, I think there's a lot of value on Tampa Bay. Um, good time to sell the Rams defense. So I thought it was a cheap price to play the Bucks. I agree with you. I they're they're the line's moving a little bit. There's a lot of one and a halfs now out there, but that's I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna ask like what is the number you will play it up to? Because I think this number is gonna continue to climb incrementally. I don't think it gets to three or anything like that, but 
But I do think that it's going to continue to rise up. I, I agree with you in this one. Now, Antonio Brown is probably going to be out in this game, which takes away one of the weapons necessarily. And that, you know, when you have a couple of lockdown cornerbacks like the Rams have, that does make a difference because there is like the third option is out. But I agree with you in this game. And look, last game, right? Like the Colts could have won that game, right? I mean, right. They started off right up down the field and and didn't uh, convert, you know, in that in that first one. So go ahead. I was going to say, I believe it was two trips into the red zone. One Correct. one was a fumble. The other was a turnover on downs. And I remember at that point, my brother was looking at me and he was like, hey, I'm sorry, you didn't deserve that, you know, because I had the over. But at the same time, you know, there was little resistance and Carson Wentz didn't play that great of a game. He was he was making some very, very dumb mistakes. He You played Andy Dalton and you played Carson Wentz and now you got to yeah. play Tom Brady. This is a huge step up in competition for a defense that I think is, again, just the perfect time to sell off. Yeah, no, I, I I'm agree. And I, I'd be surprised if Daryl Henderson plays in this game as well. And I know people are like, well, whatever. But Sony Michelle is not a pass catcher, even though his stats last year suggested he could be necessarily. But it's not the same caliber of back coming out of that backfield. So that does make a difference as well. I'm in agreement with you. If you can take Brady, like with the way that team is playing, with the way Brady is playing, it, there aren't that many. I remember last, I mean, they're a favorite, obviously, but I remember last year when uh, Baltimore was laying a few points to uh, Mahomes. And I remember being like, if you're telling me that I, I'm going to catch points with Patrick Mahomes, I'm just going to accept it. I'm not going to do it. And this sort of feels like to me, as good as the Rams are, if you're going to, at this point with the way he is playing and with the way that entire team is playing, if you're going to give me like they're laying a point, point and a half with the with the uh, Bucks, I'll take that any day of the week. So I hate to agree with you, but I am agreeing with you. Um, I'm going to uh, give myself uh, a reason to watch my team, uh, and I'm going to go with the Jets and the Broncos. And I'm going to go. I'm just checking to make sure it's still there. It was 41 and a half last time I saw, which is a low over under, and I don't care. Because I'm going with the under. I'm just checking to make sure it has not moved. Give me a second. It's totally fine. I just checked it, but now I'm very nervous. Uh, no, it's still 41 and a half. Beautiful. Um, 80%, by the way, of our experts are on the over. Don't care. Okay, I, I'm going with the under. Um, both teams here. Let's, let's just let's take a step back of how bad the Jets are. Nobody really cares. But let's take a step back. Both of these teams play slow. That That's like, we can just start there. We know that from watching both of them. They're, they're you know, low down in pace of play. And everything like that. Teddy Bridgewater is general. It's Teddy covers, of course, but generally leans towards the unders because, again, he doesn't. He's not explosive. He doesn't push the ball downfield. It's not like the his teams are scoring at will and in a matter of seconds. It's not like a Patrick Mahomes type of offense. These are slow, methodical drives that take time off the clock. So the clock's going to bleed here. You look at how they played so far: forty points in game one against the Giants, and that took a last-second touchdown to get there. 36 in game two against the Jaguars. The Broncos have a very, very good defense, as we know. Generally speaking, when you go to Denver early in the season, very difficult on the road team, but they, you know, the, the Broncos aren't exactly acclimated to it either. So you could say, well, that's going to hurt the defense. I think that's just going to make it for sloppy play all around. My guess is when you have a quarterback who throws four touchdowns, that what you're going to say is, let's get a little conservative here on offense and let's slow it down. Let's use the run game as much as we can. Let's take shorter throws. Let's not push it. That's a lot of what I see here. So I think what you have is an offense that is very bad with the Jets. You have a defense that is very solid with the Broncos. The Broncos have 
a decent offense, not overly explosive or anything like that, especially without Jerry Judy. They'll be able to put up some points. But again, this is strikes me as a game like my guess is like this is going to be the first game to reach halftime when they get there. Right. It's going to be like, oh, look at that. The Jets are going. You're going to have other other games with like six minutes left in the second quarter. So I think a slow paced game where the total winds up being like 37, 38 in the end, like whatever. So it's 41 and a half. It's a low total. I get it. I'm still going with the other with the under. I'm hoping for a suppressed total because admittedly, I've just been waiting for a spot to buy low on the Jets offense to take an over, but road game in altitude versus a defense that's probably going to finish, you know, top 10 in the, in the top third of, you know, every, every metric possible. Titans next week. Titans next week. Go, go with the over there. Hey, that's when you got it. All right. Oh, look, the buy low spot came <laughs> as early as week four. Uh, <laughs> If we're going to give the Jets any benefit of the doubt, they've played two pretty good defenses to start in Carolina and New England, and this isn't a get-right spot at all. Again, cross-country trip and altitude. Um, the, the offensive line sucks. The offensive line, to not mince words, is terrible. And Zach Wilson, who threw off his back foot probably more than anybody at BYU last year, um, is already starting to see that pattern trickle over into the NFL. So, again, to me... I didn't have a play on this game. The only reason I didn't have a play on this game was because you can't make a total into the 30s nowadays in the NFL. You just can't. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would have liked to grab the 12 and a half if I would have been quick enough yesterday. It dropped to 11. I missed the boat on that. But um, the number to me looked right. I will be rooting for you. To me, I could find any reason to play an over in the NFL. I love, I, I can leisurely find a way to play an over. I don't, I don't see any angle whatsoever. To be honest, Dan, what I usually do is I'll find an over in the afternoon slate that so I can root for it while, uh, while watching red zone. I don't have a single one in the afternoon slate and you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to bet this over. It's, it's going to be ugly. Like it, it looks ugly on paper. It's going to look even uglier on the field. <laughs> this is why I love having you as a guest, because even when you don't support me, you are able to talk enough and say enough things that I can like pull out things and be like, I feel like Alex is on board with this bet. I'm going to go with it, even though you're just like, I, I wouldn't go the other way. Uh, you know, wait, go ahead. I, you're trying. You want to say something? It's fine. Go. Well, it's just funny because when I look at these games, if I don't have a plan a game, usually as the week goes on, I'm talking to my I talk myself into a side or a total. I just I really can't find an angle. I laid it with New England last weekend, and I tried to find every every possible way to play the over, yeah. and I couldn't. And again, I just I know I'm kind of spitballing and, and reiterating, but I am looking for a spot to play the Jets over because it's it's a very very underrated angle to to buy low and sell high on totals just because of the lack of volatility. You're not going to see um, a lot of extremes for over. You're not going to see a team go like 13 and three to the over. Like right. this, this, this trend is going to snap. It's just a matter of having the right partner for it. And and when you said Tennessee next week, all I could think of was, Oh my God, now AJ, you have it. AJ Brown you dancing have it. wild. And you know, now you have it. The, That's um, correct. you know, the, uh, the Denzel Mims breakout game that we've all been into. <laughs> Braxton yeah. Berrios going for, uh, for 10 for 107 and three. Um, it's coming, it's coming in week four, but you know, I, I'll tell you when there's when there's a game that I'm gonna go opposite with you, or if, or if I got a if I got a buck yeah. with you, Dan. But uh, but this it just it isn't. We're on the same page here again. I can't bet the over in this game. The under is the under and the dog to me are the only plays in the game. Yeah. Oh, we talked about that. Like whatever the spread is, eleven and a half or whatever, eleven and a half point spread with a forty one and a half point over under is just nuts. Like that, you know, that's just insane. But 
Yeah, look, and again, I, I, I certainly, you go whichever way you want or anything like that. I hate your next bet, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is, but it's fine. Um, so it's totally fine. I, I, I approved your previous bets. I don't even know what your third bet is yet. So we'll, we'll get there just, uh, in a second. I assume it's going to be an over then, right? Cause you're, all right, go give it to him. Give me your third bet. I played, uh, I played Cleveland, Chicago over 46. And my reasoning behind this was naturally when you, when you get news that a starting quarterback's going to go out, and, and we've seen a lot of it this week, like everybody's going down, Carr, Big Ben, um, Fields, and we've seen uh, Carson Wentz as well. And we've seen the same exact trend in all four games, and that's the public's hit the, uh, the total, and we've seen the total drop. However, this total dropped from 46.5 to 45.5, and, and then there was immediate buyback on the over to 46, and that was enough for me to, to make a play on it. And really... Dalton Dalton can move up and down the field, but when I bet an over and when I'm expecting points and I need points, trading and swapping out Dalton for Fields' big playability is a perfect trade-off in my opinion. So while he's raw and you know maybe the playbook isn't as open, um, you're going to have those big plays that we saw at Ohio State. Like I try and envision the Bears offense. I'm a Bears fan. I can't tell you the last time that a receiver's just run wild down the post for like an 80-yard touch. It just doesn't happen. I think the last the last to do that was like Johnny Knox back in 2014. Um, but you get a big playability against a Browns defense that's been terrible against the pass. They've given up a bunch of uh, splash plays against the pass. I know you played Kansas City and we're in a negative game script against Houston, but again, you have fields here who could actually make the plays. If it was Dalton, you'd have no problem, but now you have to actually defend all the quadrants of the field. Cleveland, meanwhile, I think is the best overplay in the NFL right now. They they, they seem very 2020 billsy in the sense that they're just going to score 40 every game and you never really know what you're going to do in the playoffs, but you get a team that just wants to be a world beater during the regular season. And Kevin Stefanski, to me, has shown that. And even though they're down a bunch of skill players, like they're still running the ball at an unbelievably successful rate with Chubb. There's still skill players that can make plays. Um, it's not really an offense that's predicated on needing a bunch of wide receivers. And so the Bears defense to me hasn't looked all that great on paper. It's like, oh, the Bears defense, monsters of the midway. Like they're not that good. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bears fan. Like I don't think they're that good. They're not that intimidating, you know, like in years past. So... To me, this dropping a point and then seeing some immediate buyback on the over was pretty telling. Um, I think this is a good spot to play the over, and, and I'm excited to do so in Fields' first game. So, Yeah, this is really an interesting one for me because I, you're right. It's weird with Cleveland, right? They're just down nonstop playmakers, right? Obviously, Jarvis Landry's on IR. There was a report today after Beckham practiced fully yesterday that he's going to be at another game-time decision. So this is surprising to me. But it doesn't matter because that offensive system is it whether, you know, go with Austin Hooper and David Njoku and the running backs and you've got enough to basically score at will because that offensive line is great. For me, I wonder, though, I mean, what I guess what do you expect from Fields in this first game? To me, when I have a guy like Fields, especially with his rushing ability, I think his first game is something that lends itself towards an overplay because I think like they don't they don't know how to defend him number one they don't know exactly what they're going to see it's really hard to build a game plan against someone like Fields in his first game so I I personally also could see the Bears putting up points here is that do you like it better considering it's his first game do you think that lends itself to more points well I think the biggest takeaway here is when you watch last week like Dalton was 
orchestrating the offense pretty well. They were moving the ball pretty well over Cincinnati. With Fields coming in mid-game, everything kind of slowed down. With him having a full week to prepare and, you know, you're on the road. Cleveland's defense to me is, it's okay. There are pieces. They can get after the after the quarterback, but um, I, th- I think just the recipe of what you're looking for, a, a Cleveland defense that gives up big plays could have suppressed Andy Dalton. But to me, this is a huge breakout game for Chicago skill, skill players. Like we talk, I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time too, being so... Um, tucked in with fantasy, you know, guys like Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson yeah. being as underrated as he is. Like, you're just waiting for these guys to pop off. Um, and and taking a closer look at Chicago, like, Dalton used to push the ball when he was with Cincinnati. He had no choice. Like, he, he would throw the ball recklessly in Cincinnati. Ever since last year, I don't know why, he just hasn't pushed the ball down the field. He hasn't been a good over bet. He doesn't He's not enticing to bet over the total as he once was. Um, to me, I was just really excited to bet a change of pace, um, a quarterback who could really push the ball downfield and who wants to push the ball downfield. He has some skill players to make the plays against a pretty subpar defense. So down to 45 and a half, up, the tick up to 46. I thought it was pretty de- a pretty dead number. So I went over the total and, you know, it probably isn't the biggest edge that I have, but it was more so I wanted to play the number. I thought the market liked the over at 46 and um, just, you know, it's just a rooting for a fresh change of pace with fields under center, to be honest. That's fine. I, I don't hate it whatsoever. I would pretend that I did, but I can't. You're a decent fellow. But here's what I want to talk about is my final bet, which another one that, number one, I feel like the books are begging me to take because they they want me to take it. They think it's the wrong side. And I don't hear anybody who I trust in the betting landscape taking this game. And I need you to explain why to me so we will get there. And that is the Titans at home laying five to the Colts. Um, There is only two reasons I can see that you might be scared off of this game if you want to bet the Titans. The first is that the Colts are just like the most desperate team that you could possibly have right now, right? They're 0-2. They lose again here to the Titans, by the way, being here in the back. That is my garage door opening. That happens once every podcast because I podcast in the room above my garage door. Don't worry about it. Um, Number one, that they're desperate. Their season is on the line. They lose this game. They fall to 0-3. They've lost to the Titans. That's a really, really bad thing. Number two, it's a division game. A division game is always unpredictable. You never know how it's going to go. It may stay as close as possible. So you might not want to go after it. That's fine. But for me, dude, like Carson Wentz, I, I could be wrong. I don't expect Carson Wentz to play in this game. I, I mean, at this point, right? He's in practice today. He's got two ankle sprains. One of them is a high ankle sprain. He's a tough dude. He tries to play through. But there's just no way I see this happening, which means it's probably going to be Jacob Eason and Hunley because they're splitting snaps. Are you going to go with both of them in this game? Is that what the game plan is? The Colts are an okay team. Okay, they're not great even with Wentz. They're an okay team. They've allowed 4.3 yards per carry to opposing running backs, Chris Carson and Daryl Henderson. That is fine. But the Titans run defense obviously locked up Chris Carson in this last game, even though he scored two touchdowns. The Colts' pass defense has not been good. Xavier Rhodes has not played yet. I don't think he's going to play in this game. He missed practice yesterday. They've allowed 255.5 passing yards per game. Again, Rams and Seahawks, so two good passing offenses. But the thing is, you attack, if you're the Colts, you can attack the Titans more through the air than on the ground. They're secondary, not great. Janoris Jenkins, Christian Fulton, Chris Jackson. But we talked about the, the Colts' pass catchers, and they're not that impressive. I mean, I like Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, you know, Zach Pascal is fine, but 
You're not going to be able to attack them through the air with Jacob Eason and Hunley. Like, you're just not. I don't understand why the spread isn't moving. And this seems like the books just desperately want me. Because if anything, it's gone down. It was five and a half on Monday. It's five right now, the consensus line that I'm looking at. So perhaps you can explain to me why I'm totally misreading this game and why I should have any faith that either Easton or Hunley is going to be able to put up any points. Yeah, I really can't. Although Indianapolis, to me, looks like... And and you could look at the, the win-loss record as it is, but I don't think there's a team that's been more disappointing than Indianapolis. It just... Even with Wentz healthy last weekend, like there were parts, like you said, they almost won the game, but it just didn't look very fluid. And there were just times when he was running for his life and, you know, not having T.Y. Hilton there, like you said, Michael Pittman becomes your number one receiver. Love Michael Pittman. He was fantastic at USC, um, but... You know, he's just, he, I don't think he's ready to be the number one wide receiver. And this is still a road game. The first, their first road game playing outdoors all year. Um, so there's that. Honestly, I was going to play the over in this game um, earlier in the week. Didn't. And then all of a sudden saw it crater and didn't know why. Come to find out that Wentz not only sprained one of his ankles, but both of them. Like, I don't know how the guy's walking right now, let alone game planning. So I'm yeah. um, not really sure why there's no resistance. Um you know, teams that are 0-2 um, against the spread, dating back to like the last 11 years, are covering at like a 62% clip yes. in week three. So, you know, if you want to play the trends game, that's fine. But I would with Wentz. I'm not kidding. If Wentz were healthy, I that trend is meaningful to me. Because, I, I mean, I do see, I have seen that trend, and I think so too. It's just like, it's like, and perhaps the spread at five, and it probably is, I think, um, maybe it baked in the uncertainty with Wentz when I when I looked at it on Monday, because we knew he was potentially hurt. But I don't know, man, I expected this to move. And we talked about it on Monday, we do a look ahead, you know, on the lines. And you know, Andrew Cayley and I both said, like, I, I would expect this to move towards six, six and a half, assuming that it's going to be Jacob Eason. And it just hasn't moved. So it feels like they just want me to take this number. And I, I, I can't really figure it out. Yeah, it could be a good spot, too, to fade the Colts' offense just in general. I know Tennessee's been awful, but because of the shootouts that they've played the last two weeks, you're going to start to see some numbers pop up on their opponents' team total overs that just make no sense. And if, yeah. you know, if you're Jacob Eason um, running the show without T.Y. Hilton um, and that receiving corpse, I don't care if it's Tennessee, you know, you're not going to put up 24 points. You're not, you know, any, anything 21 and a half or better might be good. Um, yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Usually you can, there's some writing on the wall. You can read the tea leaves through the injury report throughout the weeks. To me, Wentz spraining both of his ankles, like just to me, sounded painful. <laughs> it just, it just. Yeah, he's not going to play. Like, I mean, he's got, and one of them is a high ankle sprain. Like, yeah. High ankle sprains are like four to six weeks. And they're like, he's out for all intents. If he plays, by the way, if he plays at this point, I don't know how great I feel about it anyway, because like you said, like it's. He's not going to be able to move. And part of it is his mobility. Like, that's part of what makes him a decent NFL quarterback. But he's going to be just a statue back there. That That's not going to be good for them anyway. He was so. running for his life last week. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it would be very it'd be very Titans-y to lose week one, go on the road <laughs> week two, beat Seattle, then come back and just lay an egg at home. Very true. Very true. Very true. Very true. Well, like I said, if, if Wentz were healthy, it would be something where I would just be like, just the feel of the game doesn't feel right. Letdown game after that big win. Like, you know, and, and again, we talked about like 
the Colts could have easily won that game last week against the Rams if a couple of things had broken right. So it's not as if they're a terrible team, but they're well coached, everything like that. But again, this is something where part of me just feels like I don't know whether or not the models that the books use always properly take into account the downgrade in quarterbacks that come. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you see massive moves. But a lot of times it's very much like, oh, this is worth two points. But for me, I guess they must have been factoring it in from the start. And the fact that it hasn't moved and it doesn't look like it's overly bad. I mean, 64% of our experts are taking the Titans, but it's not overwhelming or anything like that. So I get it. It's this weird sort of five number, right? Five, five and a half. You don't really know what to do with that number, but still. Dead number. Yes. More likely trending towards six than it would to fall to four, a full point. Right. And, a half. and even if Wentz does play, like you said, one high ankle sprain and another bad ankle against, you know, even, even, even against a defense that can't cover anybody, you know, he has to make plays with, the, with his legs. A lot of his is making play with plays with his legs. Yeah. So huge step down in competition for the Titans at home. Good chance to go to, honestly, if you're the Titans, you're two and one after what's transpired the last couple of weeks, you, you take that. <laughs> yeah. And again, I, I, I've sort of been vocal about the fact that I, I think a lot of the Titans issues, at least early on in that first game against Arizona was a lot of, because they didn't get to practice at all with COVID. And even in the second game, AJ Brown had one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. You know, they, they could have, you know, put up more points, certainly against Seattle in that game. So their defense, uh, is not great. Their secondary is not great, but it, it really hasn't been great for a couple of years and they still managed to put it up. So I do think the Titans win here and I do think uh, that they covered the spread. So let's very briefly, before we get to the rest of the spreads and just run through them and see if you like any of them at all or have any value, let's briefly recap. I'll do it again at the end. You like uh, Arizona and Jacksonville to go over 52, the Bucks to cover the one point spread against the Rams and the Browns and the Bears to go over their total of 46. I am taking the Eagles getting three and a half from the Cowboys, the Jets and the Broncos to stay under 41 and a half and the Titans laying five to the Colts. I really, really am excited about the prospect of rooting for the Jets for finally, since I'm a Jets fan, to not score points and for them to like rip off like, you know, three touchdowns or something like that back to back. That'll that'll be a good show then on Monday. Um, all right, let's run through some of the remaining spreads. Just let me know what, if you have any thoughts on it. Uh, the Washington football team visiting the Bills, the Bills laying seven and a half points. I, I bet over 45 and a half. Um, again, just a, another buy low spot sure. on Buffalo. I don't think Washington's defense is as good as it was last year behind a, a pretty fraudulent schedule. And we've already kind of seen some chinks in the armor um, to start. So I think Buffalo... If, if Josh Allen hopefully sees more man coverage this week and lights him up, T Taylor Heineke to me, you know, I, I covered the conference USA a couple years ago and, you know, I could firmly say I was a big Taylor Heineke fan out of, out of ODU. <laughs> you know, I, I must've bet mm -hmm. countless ODU overs back in college, um, just waking up on Saturday mornings and trying to lock in bets, you know, betting over 70 and a half against Marshall every week. But I bet over 45 and a half non-conference game, both defenses, to me, I think, can can be exploited through the year. I went over 45 and a half. It's, All right, a, it, how about... it's a terrible bet, but I bet it. <laughs> nice. You always want to hear that from somebody who's giving uh, betting bets. Terrible bet. Terrible. I'm doing it anyway. Uh, all right. Let's get the Steelers at home. Length three to the Bengals. Total is 44. I thought the total was a little low, but again, Roethlisberger's pack injury kind of kept me yeah. off of it. Waiting for a spot to bet Pittsburgh's over, but don't think this is going to be the week for it. 
You talked about the total in this game, but what do you think about uh, the Cardinals laying seven and a half in Jacksonville to the Jaguars? I would have grabbed seven. I just didn't really have any interest in laying two scores on the road um, just because with my luck, um, the cross-country trip against the worst team in the league will prove to be the kryptonite for Cliff Kingsbury. How about the Ravens visiting the Lions? The Ravens are laying eight. The total is 50. Yeah, I took over 50. It's a sucker bet, but Detroit can't stop anybody. Baltimore looks formidable in both facets of the game. I know Lamar kind of came up a little bruised after that uh, that hip. Yep. Yeah, he didn't, pra- didn't practice. Yeah, if you if you flip into the end zone and you bruise your hip, oh yeah, that that doesn't go over well. So I'm sure he'll be he'll play. But yeah, and and honestly, Baltimore's there. The secondary is looks really spotty to be honest yeah. with you. Just a lot of bodies, a lot of key bodies down, and you know Jared Goff, Jared Goff, but. You know, he's throwing the ball and if they can't get after if they can't get after him and, you know, he could he could slice apart. Uh, we saw him yeah. make some big plays against San Francisco. I went over 50. All right. Uh, how, this was one. I'll be honest. It was it was on the cutting room floor, but it, it made one of my final thoughts here. The Falcons are visiting the Giants. The Falcons are getting three. The total is 47 and a half. I leaned towards the Falcons getting three in this game. Ultimately, I didn't pick it. What do you think? I did. I, I took the Falcons plus three. That, was, oh, the, that was the second or third bet that I made this week. Just didn't agree with it. I made it Giants minus one. Um, yep. Didn't th- <laughs> That's pretty much it. I don't think the Giants have done anything to warrant being three-point favorites. Atlanta, to me, if they're, if they're serious about the season, this is kind of their last gasp, too, and no, no real better way to do it than against uh, you know a team that can't really break off explosive plays. Played a dual threat quarterback in Tom Brady. Now you get to play Daniel Jones and a bunch of wide receivers that can't get separation. So, you know, I think it's a good spot. How about the Chargers visiting the Chiefs? Chiefs are laying six and a half. The total is 54 and a half. There's some 55s out there as well. I will never bet a Los Angeles Chargers game for the rest of my life. But no team, no team in the NFL goes out of their way to make my life a living hell more than the Los Angeles Chargers. I bet the I bet the Chargers in the over last week, they didn't punt and they didn't go over or cover. So I have completely written off um the chargers <laughs> okay all right uh how about look we're not talking about the over under on this one because you mentioned it before but the browns are laying seven to the bears any value there yeah it it looked right um no real interest in the spread but i do think the total is a good look all right how about the saints laying uh no i'm sorry the patriots laying three to the saints and the total is 42 uh both numbers to me looked right and um God, both teams are just so polar opposite from two. You know, if this game was played two years ago, the total is probably, right. like, what, 52? Um, right. Just too big, too many unknowns, too too big of an adjustment to to really have an edge there. So I, I passed. As did I. The Raiders are home laying four and a half to the Dolphins with the total of 44. No two in this game. What do you think? I really wanted to, t- to, lay, to, to lay the chalk with the Raiders, but... They're a team that I could see throwing up a dud after that, uh, after two big wins. Um, didn't really have any interest. I thought the over could have been a good play at 44 and a half, but too many, too many injuries under center to know how that game script's going to go. Yep. Stay away from me as well, actually. Uh, the Seahawks visiting the Vikings. The Seahawks are one and a half point favorites, and the total is 55 and a half. I don't, I'm not going to play it, but I, I would have played under if I did. Um, just didn't seem like the right number. I know that Minnesota got into a shootout last uh, last weekend and the week before that, but to me, I didn't. I made it fifty three and a half, and this just seems like an underplay to me. To be honest, Packers visiting the Forty ers 
It's now at three and the over-under is 50. It was at four at one point and I took it at four. I'm wondering what you think of it right now at three. Uh, no real opinion on the spread. Just the two really good teams and I can't really get a pulse on Green Bay with just two yeah. polar opposite results. I want to say that the team's back and that week one was just an outlier, but I really don't know because I love San Francisco and was extremely high on San Francisco coming into the year. So um, laying off the spread, but I do like, I think that there's going to be points in the game. I, I think the over is a good play. All right. I don't know if we touched on the over-under on the Cowboys-Eagles, but it's 52. Do you have an opinion on that? I, I I would have taken anything at 52 or better. Again, the Cowboys, to me, baseline, you have to start at 52. And playing the Eagles, you know, we, we saw 51.5. I thought it should have been 52.5 or 53. Um, again, they didn't force a punt last week. To me, that's two consecutive really, really bad games for the defense, and I don't think Dan Quinn has figured it out. I think playing against a dual-threat quarterback with maybe one of the fastest receiving corps in the entire league is going to be a tough game plan for that defense, and I think there's just going to be big plays everywhere. So I think over 52 is a really good play. Awesome. Let's recap very quickly. Once again, you are taking the Cardinals and the Jaguars over 52, the Bucks laying one to the Rams. And the Browns and the Bears to go over 46. I I really, I am in line with uh, all three of those plays. Unfortunately for me, I'm taking the Eagles getting three and a half from the Cowboys. The Jets and the Broncos under 41 and a half. And the Titans laying five to the Colts. You know, last, last week, Alex, like I felt like there were a lot of very clear bounce back spots. Like the Vikings... The Vikings, to me... When you were rattling my... off your wins, I'm like, this yeah. guy, this guy wasn't going to get bit by the overreaction bug. <laughs> He's not getting bit. I felt like there was a lot of that after week one. I completely understood it. I felt like week two was like your... Week two is my favorite week to bet. Like, it really is, because I feel like it's just constant, constant overreaction. Like, the Vikings, it was disgusting. I felt gross doing it, but I was like, this is obviously a game that I have to run and take. I don't feel that great right now about this one, but it's still... It's, it's enough there where I'm going to... Enjoy it. Um, this is great talking to you. We haven't talked, obviously, last year was all weird with the way, you know, football was. Glad to have you back on. Can't wait to do it again. Remind everybody where they can find you and your work. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. Um, I'm on Twitter at A-J-K-O-L-O-D-Z-I-E-J. And, nail- and nailed it, right? Nailed the pronunciation? You did. You know what? I will admit to the uh, to the listeners, you absolutely nailed the last name in the in the pre-show that I was like, Unbelievable. This guy's been practicing. I, I, I try. I do. I will be honest that I, I try to practice pronouncing your name once a day for the last 434 days. So I'm glad that it, it right. And it worked. It worked well. So that's great. All right, everybody. I hope you guys have a great weekend of gambling. We'll be back as we always are here on Monday, taking an early look at the lines for week four. I'll talk to you. Then. 